0: Have you guys ever do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima. Oh. Zima's. Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast, exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. You're listening to the Voice of Survival survival podcast ladies and gentlemen your host nate phillips what's up ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the voice of survival podcast as the introduction said i am your host nate and for the second time on this show I don't have a guest. However, unlike uh, episode 8, I believe, which was in Septicast 2, uh, today you're going to just be getting an extra long dose of Nate. Uh, I feel like doing a podcast called The Voice of Survival, bringing on guests, It so far hasn't really, I mean, in little ways the message has been there, people surviving and getting through shit that they've had to deal with to find their way on top or into a better place mentally or emotionally or whatever. So I was thinking about it, and it was like, what do I want to do? And I at first thought, oh, you know, it'd be kind of cool as if I, like, um, discussed in detail some of the recent stuff that's been going on in my life. And, like, I was thinking about that, and it was like, to even explain the significance of that, I would need to tell you guys a little further in detail, like, my journey, my history, what I've been through. Uh, so I feel like this is going to be the place I'm going to do that. Now I will say, at some point I had intended on having someone like do an interview on me on this show. I thought it'd be kind of a fun meta kind of thing. Maybe close the season out this year with someone else interviewing me and actually getting you know some you know interesting Q and A kind of how I do the show. Uh, but I figured some stuff definitely wouldn't get brought up. I would choose not to omit some things in a situation like that. And here I'm not really going to censor myself. I'm going to go in detail. I'm going to tell some stories. I'm going to tell you guys some stuff I've been through, some shit that's happened in my life. And in no way am I saying, like, oh, man, my fucking shit and shitty life is more shittier than your shitty fucking... I don't want to compare. It's not a comparison, man, because everybody goes through their shit differently. Everybody handles their baggage of life differently. And I hope that's one thing you can take away from today is, like, no matter how dark your path is, there's always an option for light. There's always an opportunity to... See beyond, and uh, you know, do something special with your life, regardless of uh, what other people think. So, yeah, I think I was thinking about it, and it's like, man, where do you where do you start when you're telling a story about the things you've been through? And it's like, I could, I can, it's cool because I can recall like memories when I was a little kid and stuff, just little in, insignificant things, fucking seeing giant spiders and shit. Well, what seemed like giant spiders when you're a kid, but they probably weren't that big. It's probably why I have a fear of spiders. Just you know, putting it out there, but uh, I feel like the best starting spot is the first major trauma in my life I ever witnessed, and I'm not going to try to sit here and, like, psych eval myself why this, you know, thing, you know, had such a big impact on me, but it still definitely affects me and how I am to this day, so um, I'll take you guys back to actually March 29th of 1995 Michael Jordan was playing his first game back in the NBA Uh, he was uh, on the Bulls again number 45 he had taken a little time off uh, after his father had been murdered and uh, I remember it was cool it was like oh we're gonna watch the big game tonight like Jordan's coming back he's wearing the 45 it's different it's not the 23 you know this whole other side of MJ or whatever and what's that gonna mean? And, uh, I never got to see the game and this is why. So you, when you're an eight year old dude, you know, you spend time with your siblings, you play, you do a lot of stuff like that. And, uh, I remember my parents had said, Hey, you guys can go over to the Tyler kids house. The Tylers are a family. Like the kid's name wasn't Tyler, the boy, Ryan, the girl Malia, uh, Scott and Lisa lived across the street from us, and Sam, my sister, and I were over there playing, and man, it's just like hearing it. It's really also, can I just say that I'm recording this in my father's house, so I'm down for to do some work and help him and visit and whatnot, so I'm down here today, and it's just like I'm in the room I grew up in, the situation happened like literally right behind where I'm recording, so it's just like very surreal, so uh we're over at the Tyler's residence and playing tag and having fun and blah, 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 you know. And my parents called for my sister to go home and take a shower, right? They wanted her to get herself together before bedtime. I get it. I understand how that works. Tubby time is important for any little kid. So my sister goes and does her thing in the tub, whatever that is, you know, parents obviously taking care of her and whatnot. And making sure she's not being an idiot in the water and making a big ass fucking mess. So I'm across the street playing with these two kids that I'm friends with. And it's starting to get darker out. It's starting to get a little bit foggy. And I kind of just had this like weird, I don't know, there was a weird, I, I I can't even, sitting here I can't even like express to you guys what I actually felt. Because I just felt a weird sense of like darkness. So I started walking home. And it's like right as I walked home, the worst thing a human—well, one of the worst things a human could probably witness, especially at that fragile state of eight years of age—was uh, my sister getting struck by a car. A lot of people that know me know the story, but you know, for our listeners, I want to kind of detail this as best I can and, and kind of the the things that went on because it was it was a totally fucked up situation. She got hit right out front of my parents' house, which is like I said, and my dad's house right now, same place, right behind me. And I found her on the ground and she was dead, essentially, um, non-responsive, uh, not moving. It was bad. It was really, really fucking bad, you know. Um, my parents heard me screaming because I was just yelling that, no, you killed her, you motherfuckers. Like I was, I was eight, you know, I was using foul language, dead, God damn it. Uh, God, you know, I was just like, I broke. And they heard me uh, and they rushed out and my mom freaked out and picked my sister up, which rule number one of any trauma victim, leave them where they're at because you can end up doing more harm than good, but I digress. She wanted to get her out of the road, so she moved her to the grass in front of our house. and uh, Everything after that's kind of a blur because it was kind of like they protected me from seeing everything, but I was still seeing a lot of things. I watched my sister get like loaded onto the ambulance and, and taken away, and then it was like, my family's getting the information, like, across the board from everyone. Hey, Sam has been in an accident. It's not looking good. We're going to the Carl Hospital in Champaign. This is what's happening. And I very, 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 very distinctly remember that in no amount of time, my Aunt Jane, Uncle Jay, uh, and my Grandma Phillips were, boom, at the house, like, no time. It felt like it was nothing, and of course in in that whole thing everything still is ultra surreal you're walking around and it's just like you feel i mean i i've never been to war i don't want to i don't want to speculate i guess on what that's like but if i were to equate it's like you're walking around a room with landmines and everything sets off a different emotion cuz you're thinking of what's going to happen to your sibling what's coming next what's the unknown the fear of the unknown so my aunt and uncle get there, and my grandma, and they load me into their car, and I'm crying. I'm very upset. I've just witnessed this very terrible thing, and my parents also fly and take off to Champagne. They actually airlift my sister in a helicopter. It takes them longer in the helicopter to get to Champagne than it did my parents, and my aunt and uncle, and my grandma and myself, because they were all flying. We were right behind them on the on the travels to Champagne. Uh, and, and just getting there and it was like the hospital is, it's a lot of like seafoam green color. I kind of secretly hate that color when I think about it like that, but it's like, uh, and then it was just like, she's critical. Um, both of her legs were shattered. Me being hit by a car at the age of five. She's lucky she didn't get ran under, you know, she flipped over the car just by whatever fucking grace of luck. Um. And uh, she's in a coma for nine days. And those longest nine days of my life at that point in my life. uh, Because, you know, it was just, that that was my ride or die kid, man. That was my best friend. And I just watched her get essentially fucking obliterated and I had no idea. And it was, she walk again? Will she talk again? Will she be herself? Will she be in a coma for her whole life? We didn't know. Uh, Day nine, she comes out of the coma. I'm one of the first people she looks at. When gets a smile on her face, and uh, I mean, it broke me. It's still like, whew. think about it. Is it? It's hard, you know, because it's just like it like brings back a lot of that shit. And I think that's kind of why I want to do this too. It's like, I don't. I've never really told like all the details of everything to everybody. Because who the fuck wants to listen? Maybe you do. I don't. I don't know. But uh, so to get back to it, Sam's in the coma for nine days. She comes out of it. And she's looking at me, and it's like, you know, this could look up. Doctors say, okay, well, she's out of that water now, but now we have a new thing because both her legs are broken. So she's going to need a full body cast, meaning a cast that holds her legs in place where she can't move. Okay, and she's got a little hatch to go to the bathroom, which is fucking awful. And she laid around all that summer in 95, just in the house. We got a new pool out of the deal. Uh, There was like a lawsuit and bullshit. I probably shouldn't discuss that, but whatever, you know, it's life. It it happened. It was definitely the driver's fault. He was traveling too fast. There was no stop sign at the time. Actually, after my sister got hit, the stop sign got installed, thanks to her, actually, because – well, anyways – so that's the first like, man, you, you you get hit with that. And and there were some other things that happened before that. You know, my parents had almost divorced at that time and then they got back together and it was like this long, arduous journey where we moved we all moved to Champaign. We were living there for a little bit. I went to a, a school where it was tough, man. I was I was actually in the minority at that school and was kind of getting the shit kicked out of me sometimes and uh treated misfairly and whatnot. And I just trying to be nice kid, but whatever. So uh... I don't want to dwell on that shit, but, uh, so, I'm eight, this situation happens, and I, like, we were still in school, so I had to go, like, back to school, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, we're so, you know, thought, we're hope and sending positive vibes to your sister, and here's all this cool little, like, knick-knacky shit and gifts and thinking of you guys, and it was like, wow, man, people care, and that's crazy, you know, like, my little sister means a lot to a lot of people, uh, and still does, you know, uh, so, Coming out of that year, though, is like from second grade to third grade, the transition, all I can think of is Sam and the cast and like going through all that shit. And then she finally gets it off. And then it's like the, the process of walking again. She had to have a wheelchair, you know, like it's like all this shit you don't even. It's like it's it's fucking amazing how crazy shit can get and how out of hand stuff can get so fast. So moving into third grade kind of starts to notice a tide change and. As a lot of parents will probably tell you, any parents who've suffered trauma with a child, uh, sometimes it like fucking drives a wedge. It's it's terrible. It is really terrible. But it can drive a wedge between people. And my parents were already on the fritz. Things weren't perfect. There were lots of that. that uh, neither here nor there. Yet again. Um, so I'm in third grade, and not even a couple months into the school year. My parents are getting a divorce now. So it's like, boom, eight years old. My fucking sister almost dies in front of my fucking face. Now there's this new thing. My parents are getting divorced. And I was panicked. I didn't know what to do. It was terrifying. Why are you breaking up my family? I thought we were, you know, staying together. We almost broke up. And that was terrible. Why are we doing this now, you know? And, uh, you know, at eight, I'm, I, I can definitely tell you... uh I feel like the older you are, if you're a parent and you have children, and the older you are and, like, you guys get divorced once the kids are a little bit older. Like, okay, you have kids and the kids are two and three. They're probably not going to really remember the divorce or, like, how mommy and daddy were towards the end or any of that stuff. You know? They're not in that reality yet as far as I can tell. But as, as an eight-year-old, I saw it all. I saw mind games. I saw terrible trickery. I saw things. I mean, I don't even... I saw I'm not going to call anybody out. I don't want to do that. It's just not fair. Okay? But I saw one parent use me consistently to try to hurt another one of my parents and would say things for me to say to them, would try to just pure hate and evil is is a word. Uh but but um You know, it's really interesting because I was really upset when the divorce happened. And here's like a little side note, a side quest. So this is like hashtag kick me when I'm down, right? So I am at school one day and I'm like having a breakdown because my parents are divorcing. It's like the only thing I can fucking think of and I can't concentrate on school. And I had the fucking worst, weirdest teacher in third grade, Mrs. Butterworth. She was like kind of mean to me because my parents had it in at the school system because my grandpa was like this legendary fucking teacher and coach guy and he's he's an awesome dude and i have a lot of life lessons from him too and this is one of them so uh he picked me up from school my grandpa richards picked me up from school and was like hey man like shit's rough i'm gonna try to get you away like let's go do something else and we went out to his buddy's like private um like his land he actually had land that was like natural forest type shit, woods type shit, you know, the woods, and there were, like, beautiful trails and stuff, and cool spots where they would camp, and where they would hunt, and all these cool things, Um, but my grandpa was taking me out there so we could pick raspberries, right, so we're walking to go to the, through this little path, and he lifts the tree branch up, because you have to, like, clear this thing, he thought I was past it and let go, and it gashed just directly under my eyelid, okay, like, just where the your orbital bone ends, essentially, it just nicks there and gashes me open. Hashtag #Hemophiliacs bleed yo, so I'm bleeding out my fucking face like there's no tomorrow. Crying, I'm upset. He gets me patched up. He's so sorry. Blah blah whatever. Very next day is like my first day of little league, uh, or like I think it was a little league. I don't remember what it was or school ball. What I it was somewhere around the time when we were playing sports with bats. That's all I know. I don't remember all the logistics of it. But anyways, I'm in the ball field and I played center field and someone hit the ball cuz it was just practice, but we were just I like playing baseball. It was fun. It was I was trying to escape and of course I look up, lose the ball and take a fucking shiner to my other eye, you guys. So now, all right, keeping this keeping this, you know, in in uh man I look like I've fucking been in a boxing match. I look kind of badass, I'm sure, and I bet the kids were like, "Wow, that kid's fucking tough." He took a licking at home. No, I didn't. I actually just got the shit kicked out of me by a train and a baseball. It was fucked up. Uh, worst ass whipping I've ever suffered, and I can actually, well, almost. And we're going to get to that in a second, too, also. So, um, third grade is, you know, it's whatever. Moving into the end of third grade, and then we're moving up to fourth grade, I've just started my journey into becoming a nine-year-old, and I remember, I don't remember exactly like the time frame of how this all happened, so little fuzzy, don't quote me, I will say fourth grade Miss Newman, great teacher, she was cool as hell, No, no complaints there, I love that lady, even to this day, I think Mrs. Newman's one of the coolest people that ever walked the face of this earth, man, really, she's a sweet lady. Um, patient as fuck, too, with kids, let me tell you, so, back to it, you know, I'm nine, and I remember there was a show event type thing, with, it was, it was like Armageddon, but it was a, I want to call it, maybe we call it Asteroids, or, that's the video game, Comet, the Comet, something like that, I'll look it up later, it doesn't matter, it's not important, the important thing is, that event um symbolizes me remembering well the first time something that definitely changed who I am today and most of you who are really familiar with me uh know that I suffer from these and I've been dealing with this for for many many years and this is at least as far as I can tell kind of the the genesis of it all uh nine years old you know or probably just about to turn nine freshly you know eight going into nine uh leaving the fourth grade, and uh, there was that show, and I was wanting to watch the whole thing, and it was the second night of the event, and we were going to watch it, dad and I, he was coming home and whatnot from work and shit, because my dad, single parent, kicked ass, drove an hour to and from work every day to provide for me, I mean, just like, never stopped, he never stopped just working, it was never for, there was no, like, very little enjoyment in that point in his life. He was on the grind. Keep us going, you know. And he really did. And I, I, I'm very grateful for that. But um, <clears throat> so we, uh, <clears throat> we're we going to watch this. And all of a sudden, something don't feel right with me. I'm just feeling a little funky, you know. And it's like, man, something in the back of my head, into the top of my head, is just pressing like someone is just Trying to fucking crush my head like a water... Like, like, like. imagine when Gallagher fucking smashes the watermelon and the shit goes everywhere. Like that's how much pressure I felt was on my head. That I felt literally the top of my head was going to fucking explode out of my fucking head. Like, my brains were just going to come gushing out into fucking lavaville of, of sadness and death. Because that was coming. I was going to die. I was certain of it. At nine years old, I was so certain I was dying right there. My dad wasn't home yet. Um, and I had, and I had, uh, you know, um, I, I, he was, he had just got home when like it really kicked in and I was like, Hey, I'm not feeling so good. Like before I watch this show, can I go take a bath? Like, I want to try to feel better. He's like, okay, I'll check on you in a few. Well, about a half hour went by and I never touched the water. I never did anything because literally I walked upstairs. I walked all the way into the bathroom. I walked to where the shower was and collapsed. Um, I don't remember falling or if I fell or, or how I fell or whatever. If I just laid myself down, knowing something wasn't right, I'd very fuzzy on all those details. Um, I was in my first ever migraine and it was terrifying. It was, ter- I did cause I didn't know what it was. I was just a kid. It was pain. Unlike anything I'd ever experienced. It made me dizzy. It made me weak. I wanted to puke. I wanted to cry. I, I cried. I definitely cried. Um, but I slept finally. I slept. Um, I didn't go to school the next day, but I slept. And then, like, dad woke me up at like three in the morning so we could watch the rerun of the show that they like replayed later at night for, for the late night people and whatnot. And it was like, okay, well, that has happened. And that would continue to happen through my whole life. Uh, now, this is the part that's fuzzy because actually in fifth grade, and I can't, I'm pretty sure it was pretty early on in that year. So I would just, this would probably be right uh, either around the time that show came out right after some, it's just, I'm fuzzy on the details, because this might actually be where it all started, I just can't remember, so I'm at, I'm in fifth grade, and I'm friends, and might be dating a girl named Liz at the time, dating, air quotes, because I'm a kid, you know, what the fuck does that mean, there was another gentleman whose name I will say redacted for, because I don't want to call any people out, especially kind of lifestyle that gentleman's living, I would not want to upset them in any way shape or form anyways so uh, I'm in school I'm in the bus line I'm getting ready to go home for the day and out of nowhere I get jumped and my head gets literally from the back of my skull to my forehead gets crushed into the fucking face of the lockers I mean crushed almost fucking knocked me unconscious I was I've been to KOville a couple times. I was damn close there, right? So, got me. And I'm fucking rocked. And I'm crying. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Somebody else saw it, so they grabbed the kid that did it and take him to the office or whatever. There's some beautiful teacher at the time. That's all I can remember. She had just beautiful golden hair. It's like a fucking angel, but she wasn't. Obviously, she's a fucking human person and not some made-up thing. So, anyways... uh. She takes me, and of the course, they call my parents, let everybody know what's going on. I come to school the next day with a fucking shiner. Yet again, that's kind of the common theme. Fifth grade is different for me, though. I want to mention, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I actually had a bully that wasn't the kid that put my head in the locker. It wasn't a kid at all. It's actually my fifth grade teacher. So here's some fucked up noise. My fifth grade teacher, Miss Cope, uh, was friends with some of the family that I have. And they... Chose to put me in her class because they wanted a teacher that could just report back on how I was doing, especially on the other side of like, I was two years out of this divorce thing. I was definitely changing. I'd gotten a little bit of trouble. I spent like a, about a year being kind of a thief a little bit. Like, I stole some basketball cards from my uncle. I, I mean, I thought I did it pretty cleverly, but oops, that was stupid. I was a kid, I didn't fucking know any better, you know? So, uh, and I just thought they looked cool as shit. So I was just like, yeah, these are fucking radical. I don't care. No one's going to know that I took them. They fucking knew it was like every card that was out of his set was in my set. How are they going to fucking mix that shit up? They're not, and they know how much money I'm spending. So anyways, so I got my ass kicked over that when I was like, like on the, just, just on the other side of the divorce, like go, like going into fourth grade. Um, I was just a little bit of a troublemaker. So fifth grade happens, sixth grade, I miss Mo. Things are cool seventh grade like middle school high school is a lot of bullying for me it's not a lot of like crazy stuff it's a lot of name calling it's a lot of threats um not a lot of violence I didn't really have anybody who wanted to actually be violent to me luckily so it it didn't it never did escalate to that to that matter you know so It's like, uh, I guess we'll move forward. You guys have heard about the band and, and what happened with Brando and I and that whole story and whatnot. You know, uh, but it's interesting to note that going into middle school, my mom, who is now married to another dude named Carl, um, fucking Carl. Anyways, uh, she's married to this guy named Carl. And uh, they want to have a kid, but my mom had her tubes tight after my little sister Samantha was born. So what do we do? We don't know. So my mom actually contacted. And don't shut the fucking podcast off just yet. Please hear me out. This was 2000 or 1999. This is well before where we're at now, okay? Almost 20 years ago at this point. Jesus, that's crazy. So anyways, my mom sends an electronic letter called an email to associates or something like that of Roseanne Barr, Roseanne from the TV show Roseanne. And she's just wanting information on how Roseanne had a baby after she had her tubes tied because Roseanne had her tubes tied and then and then had a baby. and it was like kind of new technology. So Roseanne sees chinga, 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 like opportunity to make some bucks. Like it can be a sponsored thing and whatnot. And it's like good press and what shit and whatnot. So invites my fucking mom and stepdad out to California to be on her talk show. They're on the fucking talk show. And Roseanne's like, oh, by the way, we're going to pay for every fucking thing. You're going to get this in vitro fertilization thing and like, Boom! Whatever. So now I'm in a whole different realm. I'm 13 and I got a little sister, who's on the way, and she gets there on the most blizzard and ass fucking day ever, and that's Taylor. And Taylor, um, special shout out to her. She just graduated high school, so crazy. I it's it's fucking wild. Like time definitely flies, and you don't even realize it. You know, you miss a lot of stuff. But um, I get out of high school, you know, fairly clean cut unscathed not a lot of craziness I mean band had some drama Brando and I kind of had a broken friendship a little bit just because I was growing up and being a fucking idiot and making poor choices and just not really thinking on my brains Um, but uh, so you know life goes from school to either go to school or you go to fucking work I start work, and I spent some time working at, like, a door factory and all this bullshit. You guys have heard of blah, blah. You guys have heard me recount my tale of meeting Sarah back on episode one of The Voice of Survival. If you haven't, go check that out. If you want to listen to the stuff about the band, episode three of The Voice of Survival with Brando covers a lot of that stuff. It doesn't cover everything. There's not a lot of, like, detailed stories and whatnot. But uh, getting into, like, the... Oh uh, man, I almost missed a very, 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 very important thing. Uh, I don't want to just go. Oh, we went to high school, and because I'm like, it's just like I feel like sometimes I don't want to open certain doors, so I close them, and then I realize, oh, that's the door I got to walk through. Fuck. So before we can take the path to high school and 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 that and shit, I briefly mentioned that I'm a swimmer. I swam for swim team for uh, from nine years old till nineteen years old, so for ten years. I loved it competitively, swimming, I mean, competition swimming is one of my favorite things, butterfly, backstroke, freestyle, and any relay I could get my hands on, I wanted to be a part of, I loved being in the water, and I'll never forget, man, it was like uh, mid-June, you know, June 15th, probably, uh, 76, or 2001, June 15th of 2001, um, which in February of that same year, my grandma, my great-grandma, who was older, Grandma Kearney, passed away, And it was just like, you know, she's an older lady. She'd been through a lot of shit. She went like, triple bypass and, like, almost got out of the water. Everything was cool, and then shit went south. And that's just life, you know. You're going to, I mean, that's just a really fucked up unfortunate thing, man. This shit goes wrong. And you can't ever really control that, I guess. It's it's fucked up. So, you know, uh, to get back to it. I'm 13, and we're about to get into our first official meet of the season for swim team. My mom's the coach. Um, I had just recently started listening to a little bit heavier music. I was listening to bands like Slipknot, System of a Down. Had just kind of like come out and started like paving the way and stuff. And like I was listening to a little bit of Tenacious D at the time and Eminem and stuff, you know. And which I'd been a fan of Eminem since like some shady like LP way back when. Uh, back when, uh, Consequences and fucking, uh, what, what was that, what's, I forget, I, I, I fucking am Space Cadet right now for some reason, the Slim Shady LP, it had, I don't remember what all the songs were, Bonnie and Clyde 97, and Consequences, and, uh, Brain Damage, and the fucking, the, not real Slim Shady, My Name Is, that's the song, My Name Is, so, uh, I remember I was listening to what well, I was getting ready to listen to on my little Walkman. The, um, the M&M show, I do believe, it had like um, Square Dance and, and Soldier and the real Slim Shady and shit like that. And uh, my mom was acting a little funky. We get in the van to go to the fucking swim meet. And she just turns around. Cold, fucking stone cold. There was an accident last night. Your uncle was killed. What the fuck? what? Your your dad's not gonna be at the swim meet today. What the fuck? What? What's going on? What the fuck? What uncle? Who what is going on? How did it happen? What happened? What? Wait, what? So I go to the swim meet and I'm like fucking shaken. I don't know really details or much or anything. And it's like again, parents do a good job to keep me distracted and keep me as far away from the trauma as because. Man, trauma can swallow a person, and we're going to talk about it because this is something that I have not really discussed a lot, and um, I'm very, I'm like, listen, there, there's some things that are going to be said here. I don't want anybody to be offended by how I'm going to say some things, and I'm also going to preface that with saying I love every show that's on this network. Everybody does a great job. No one's in trouble. No one has done anything wrong. I wouldn't bring any of these shows on. If I didn't believe in them, right? Um, that, that you're like, what the fuck? This is a weird tangent. Why are you bringing up your shows? We'll get there. So uh, I'm 13. It's 2001. Sixers were playing the Lakers in the NBA Finals the night before. Lakers won the Finals, like almost swept the Sixers. I wanted Iverson to win a ring. I was real upset. Uh, and the next day, you know, that all that all broke out. And I kind of felt like it was my fault, and I didn't really know any idea or whatever. So when everything kind of finally fucking settles and comes crashing into reality, these are the facts. My uncle was on his way to work at four in the morning. A 19-year-old drunk driver in a truck, two times the size of the little car he would drive to work just to save on gas, ran him over, full-blown, just crushed him. Uncle was a huge dude, six foot three, okay? And um, they killed him, you know? Um, and didn't, didn't get a lot of jail time or anything like that. Um, real fucked up situation, fucked my whole family up. It's like, I mean, my uncle Jay was one of my dad's best friends and like my aunt love her. She's just, I mean, she was devastated by it. My cousin was just getting like, did, uh, had just graduated college and the other one had just graduated high school and. It's like all this shit is coming, you know, and it's like the storm. It was bad. It was awful. I, I was soaking that in. And it was like July okay, or June. It was June 16th. And from June 16th to September 10th, there's only ever one thing on my mind, and that was my uncle's death and like how it affected me and trying to escape that and, and find other ways and other avenues to be creative and, and express myself in ways that were constructive and not you know self-damning to myself. And uh, so now I'm a freshman in high school. Here we are, yay! Nate's the new kid on town. We had been doing marching band, and that was kind of cool. Oh, one thing to mention: my uncle, my uncle, the, the the incident when my uncle happens, and shortly thereafter, I had had a, a a trip planned with my grandpa, Richards. Yet again, same grandpa that got my eye earlier in the story. Uh, we're gonna go up to the wilderness, up to the Canada border. In Minnesota and go on the uh, the this like just fucking adventure. We're gonna canoe on these lakes and we're gonna go and we're gonna set up in these little fucking camping spots that are actually in the wilderness in the middle of fucking nowhere with no, I mean, cell phones weren't barely a thing at that point, hardly. Um, uh, so we were up there. It was crazy because it was just me and him. And like the first day we got lost and like saw a water spout on the second day, you know, essentially a tornado on the lake. There was a lot of like wind damage and lots of trees down because there had been terrible, terrible winds that year that knocked a bunch of shit over and fucked some shit up. And uh, <clears throat> man, it's just like that whole experience was surreal. It was just depressing. And again, my uncle was just on my mind. It was very, it was a very fresh wound. I cried a lot. I was very sad a lot. I just wanted to be home. I remember I just, I wanted to be home. I was away from everybody for seven days, and all I could think of was like, I just want to be home with everyone. You know, I miss everyone in this uh, in this terrible situation. And um, so the f- the last day of the trip comes, and we've got to head out. We go to head out, and we end up paddling like two or three miles in the opposite direction of where we're supposed to leave. And, of course, two or three miles in a canoe is a long fucking way, the long way. So we had to undo, adjust, turn around, and get our shit together, and then go the right way, which delayed us even more. So delays, delays, delays. By the time we get out to the vehicle, my grandfather finally gets to use his cell phone and boots it up and makes one phone call to his wife, my grandma, Joby, Betty. Betty Joe. I couldn't say it. We call her Joby because of me. So, I uh, I remember I just heard, like, oh, oh, okay, were there any injuries? Was everybody okay? Okay. All right, so I'm a kid, just experienced this other tragedy five years before I watched my sister get hit by a car. Now my grandpa's asking these questions, and I'm not sure what the fuck's going on. And we learn, as we come to find out, that a... It was a fucking tornado, folks. It hit my hometown. It hit my hometown. Luckily, no one was injured. It luckily didn't destroy everything. It fucked a lot of stuff up. There were a lot of buildings that had extreme damage and were devastated completely and whatnot. So, um, yeah. uh, So, you know, my uncle uh, goes and uh, we bury him, and I wasn't there for that. I just emotionally didn't handle it. and Even to this day, I kind of live with that regret, like, man, you missed that moment, but it's like, at the time, the weight of that, I mean, I was emotionally crushed, you know, he was such a kind dude, and had always been helpful to me, and I mean, one of the last things he did was fucking hang this awesome basketball like hoop for me and his son to play on, and like, we just, we played on it a lot, you know, right after that, and it was just like this weird thing, like he knew we would need that kind of therapy of something, you know? And it was, it was good. So, uh, again, high school, some bullies here and there, whatever, nothing too crazy. I, I started to kind of push back and be a little more myself. And really my me came out about junior year. And then I was full-blown Nate senior year and Captain Confident and you know could walk into a room and talk my way into any situation because, well, I just am nice to people and I try to be as friendly as I can, first of all. Like I try to be as friendly as I can be to everyone, and just hope for the best, man. All you can do is give your best intentions to everyone, and hope they give you the best back. It's one of my biggest things. Like I'm just gonna give you my fucking best, and I hope you do the same, you know. Um, and that's another part of all the shit that's happened. So uh, I graduate high school, meet Sarah. We're in a relationship for a couple of years. You know, relationship problems are relationship problems. No one's perfect. Um, things happen. Uh, not nothing crazy I don't want to even I'm no we're not getting into that because that's like unnecessary to talk about because there was nothing ever anyways so we are living in my dad's house after moving back from champagne and I'm living here she's up with her family and we're seeing each other on the weekends and stuff and my aunt and uncle on my mom's side are like hey We got a job for you and we're gonna groom you into this other thing. And I was like, Oh snap. That's a fucking groovy thing. I remember it was over Thanksgiving. I was like, I need to talk to you in private. Hey, I was just like thinking, like you're really good and you're smart and you do sales, like, why don't you come work for us? Like, we're gonna put you in sales, you'll kick ass there, you'll make like sixty K plus a year, you guys can get a nice house, like you get a nice car. Should'll be looking up, man, you'll be making decent money, and this is you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So sixty K a year at that time for me would have been making goddamn great money. That would have been amazing. I mean that'd have been a whole lifestyle change for me. So uh I'm like, fuck yeah, sign me the fuck up. Where do I sign up? My dad's like, Whoa, 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 and he tells me this is not at the exact same time. But when I tell my dad of the offer, he's like, Don't don't do it. Don't trust those people, man. Cause this isn't what you're thinking. It's not gonna be what you want it to be. This is not going to be, it's not going to work out how you want. Dad kept saying, it's not going to work out how you want. Just trust me. And I was like, nah, man, they're family. They're not going to fuck me over. Like, come on, who would do that? Who would be such a shitty piece of shit individual human to do some shit like that? Well, okay. So it's like, yeah, let me, I'm going to buy some suits. I'm going to get ready to start doing this gig I'm getting ready to go spend some money to get some stuff, and I'm talking to my uncle like, oh, what kind of suits do you guys like us wear? Do you want some pinstripes, button-ups? Does it matter? Do you have a preference on how we look? He's like, well, before you do that, we want you to actually spend 60 to 90 days in our warehouse division so you can actually learn the internal workings of the company. And then from learning the internal workings of the company, you can be better equipped on the sales floor so you cannot be demanding too much of these guys who uh, who are in the back here. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's not what I signed up for, but sure. Okay, I'll play games. So I'll play ball. Let's try it. I'll, and, and and he told me too. He said you'll never have to leave the store. You're not gonna have to go on any dumb bullshit deliveries or do any crazy crazy lifting. You're just gonna be back here, essentially building furniture, learning from everybody else. Once they once like your 60 to 90 days is up, we'll bring you onto the sales floor. Everything will be golden. Two days in, I get put on a truck to start moving furniture. And I immediately realize, wait a minute, the rug has already been pulled out and I'm not sure if there's any way back. So I just keep busting my ass, man. And I went extra hard. I went extra ham. I was always, I, I was beyond just a delivery guy because I would offer advice, like sound advice on how to do interior design and shit. I get how that stuff works. I've seen it been done my whole life. The fucking furniture business has been a part of my family my whole life. So. Fucking, uh, you know, so I'm on this truck, and I, I, I will say the truck does one tiny, small bit of good because it introduces me to this guy named Nash, and Nash, if you're listening, buddy, I love you. You're one of my favorite people I've ever met. The energy we had between each other as friends, the ability to communicate and just be dorky, I fucking miss you, man, and I hope I I genuinely hope you guys are all doing fantastic. So, um, Nash and me become dudes, man, and we spent two years on a truck together, every day, every, Monday through Friday, every day, and I was getting up stupid early, driving an hour to go to this job, working until 5 p.m., driving an hour to come home, in rain, sleet, snow, blizzard, whatever you name it. You know, with one exception, and I had mentioned this at the very beginning, earlier in the thing, one thing that has definitely affected me, in and out, and this is one of those things I can't even sit here and recount all the times I've had to deal with them, migraines, and they are literally ticking time bombs. I could go six months without having a single migraine, and then all of a sudden get a string of 15 in a row in a couple days, and just in varying degrees of them. They're sporadic and not cool, not good. Of course, and then there's been strings where I've went three, four months where every single day I was having a migraine. And guess where that came from? It came from all the fucking ridiculous heavy furniture that two people alone should not be lifting. However, trying to go above and beyond here just to show I'm a team player and you promised me something I know you'll make good because that's how people are. You fucking say something, that's your fucking word. You hang tight to it, right? So, two years, in and out, all kinds of situations. I fell one time real bad, fucked my left elbow up. I mean, I had shit dropped on me. I fucking tripped and fucked up my legs. Puked all over because I was fucking exhausted. Had migraines so bad while I was still trying to deliver that I couldn't fucking see straight, you know. And those aren't, I'm not just trying to like highlight bad times, bad times, bad times. Surprisingly, in delivering furniture, there were some good times. And actually a lot of good times, man. Me and Nash didn't give a fuck about that fucking place. After I realized what they were doing, I was like, motherfuckers, I'm going to take your fucking money until I can't stand your asses anymore, and that's what I did. you know. And that's like being the realest I think I've ever got on this show. I realized that the people who were supposed to be my family were fucking swindling me. And i I could see it because it was like, oh, well, the 90 days comes up. And I'm like, hey, man, Let's get me in there. Let's start doing some training. Let's get it going. He's like, coming on a Sunday. I go in on a Sunday. I make cookies. And the next thing I know, I'm in the warehouse again? Still doing warehouse shit while I'm wearing like nice clothes? What? What, dude? What? Fuck that, man. So enough is enough. And it's time for a change. And man, next chapter is a little bit different, a little bit more difficult because it kind of all starts to spiral from this moment. So I realized what kind of people my family are. They're liars. Not all of my family. Let me make that very clear. The specific family involved in hiring me and involved in literally t- for two years filling me with lies. Every time I asked about the sales position, there was a reason or a thing or they were going to open up a furniture 123 direct store where I was going to have my own my own office and my own fucking thing to do my own fucking thing. And that never happened. So once I realized that, I started figuring it out, and on a whim, man, Sarah's brother's like, you should come work at the Horseshoe Casino, dude. Change your fucking life. I I don't know how dead on that statement could be in fucking future time. Um, Because of him saying this, my literally entire existence has been changed. Uh, Because, I I mean, I get the job. I, I move up here, and... It was well, I move up to where I live now, and it was freeing because it was like, oh, I fucking escaped your stupid bullshit, and you're fucking trying to fucking keep me down, and I'm not going to be kept down, right? So, I kind of went on a little bit of a fucking heel turn, I guess you could say, if you're a wrestling fan, because I was sick of it. I gen, I don't know how to say it. I was sick of it. They fucked me over for two years, and I wanted to say some things. I wanted the world to know the truth. So I put them on blast on social media. I know it's a terrible thing. Probably shouldn't fucking do it. Don't do it. If you can help it, don't do it. It it just makes shit much worse. You know, I think you need to pick your shot and take it in public, man. Just just wait and just call somebody's bullshit out in public. Don't use the social media because then it's there and people get misconstrued and then other people commenting on your drama and it's just, it's foolish. You need to get into all that. So, you know, um... I'm, uh, I'm starting my job at Horseshoe, and right out of the gate, it's a change because I essentially cut ties with a lot of my mom's side of the family over this because, well, and this is something maybe not all of them know, but a lot of them were complicit in lying to me about this. Not all of them, but a lot of them knew I wasn't getting the job or knew it wasn't possible for me to move up and chose not to say anything, chose not to react or be helpful to me or give me any kind of guidance. Uh, They essentially just said, go ahead and burn, boy, and enjoy it. And it was a learning experience. It was definitely a learning curve, and it was hard. Cutting off half your family is fucking hard. Don't do it. It sucks. It's not easy. It's not easy to, okay, I didn't cut them off like, oh, fuck them, I hope they'll die, or anything like that. It was like, that's toxic. What that was was literally... Toxic, manipulative bullshit that was fucking used to control me for two years, and I had and I had said, "I'm done. I'm fucking over this. I can't anymore." So, start working at Horseshoe, and it was probably the worst job to get right after being going through this kind of like trauma of manipulation through your family. So, the reason being is that, uh, well, first and foremost if you're going to get in the casino industry, start working fucking the worst shift on earth thirds. Cause you're going to all the time. You're going to be living in the fucking twilight hour and you're going to be asleep when it's daytime and it's going to fuck you up and it's going to fuck your mental up because your loved ones, you're hardly going to see them when you do see them. You're going to be so exhausted, even though you're happy to see them, you're just not going to have enough energy or whatever. You're always rushing in the in between moments And then guess what? You start to go crazy because you're alone all the time. And the only people that you talk to, the only people you have, the only people that you're friends with are the people in the casino industry. The people that are also going through the exact same shit. The people who are literally living in an environment where they leave their jobs to go to other casinos to gamble. Or they leave their jobs to go to fucking Portside to get fucking wasted to forget about how awful their job was. How terrible the environment there is. They let their fucking guests, for the most part, Run rampant. You know, they can get away with a lot of shit. They can blow smoke directly in an employee's face, and it's not a big deal. You know, they don't care. And that shit was fucking making me suicidal. It was triggering my migraines even worse. The smoke was so bad. I remember one night I was on the EO list. That's early out. And uh I had to drive home, and it was like a 30-minute drive from Horseshoe to the house, and I called Sarah because I was having a migraine, and I was like panic attack because of how bad the migraine was, and I was just, like, couldn't push through the pain i physically could not like get to a point where i was like okay i can tolerate it long enough to just get me home so i'm on the phone just like in panic what do i do i'm freaking out i don't want to die i don't want to crash or whatever i'm not sure what's coming and uh you know uh the crazy thing is apparently i got home and collapsed on the kitchen floor And terrified Sarah, which I'm terribly sorry for. Um, But again, migraine strikes again. This was another bad, bad, bad case of one. So horseshoe's draining me. It is emotionally exhausting. It's physically taxing. The hours are brutal. The, The constant shifts in pay because... The way it works is everybody pools their tips together, and then they divide that amount amongst the workers based on hours worked. So I'm pulling in crazy tips every night, killing it, not really making anything for it. Everyone else is 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 just half assing it, and they're reaping off of somebody else's benefits. And it's like, man, I'm over here fucking dying, man. Like I'm going crazy. And let me tell you something, guys. And this is the truest truth. While, yeah, the casino industry can be a lot of fun, it can be a lot of excitement and happiness and ha-ha's, and it's all great and dandy, it comes with a lot of price. You watch people lose their money. You watch people stop caring about family or any responsibilities they have in favor of the gambling. You watch people dig holes they can't undig. I mean, you hear terrible horror stories that they cover up in the news because they don't want bad press about people jumping off of the like top of the parking garage because they lost their life savings trying to gamble and it didn't work you know and um it's a it's a fucking dark environment i mean it's lonely and weird and surreal like to even think about actually going back into a casino is like bringing a floodgate of weird emotions to me and thinking about how unhappy it made me for so long, and it made me unhappy in every facet of my life, which is the crazy thing. Like I should have known right out the gate like shit's bad, Nate, like you're not happy in anything you do, you're not really enjoying anything you do. I would go to we went on fucking vacations to Vegas, and I didn't give a fuck. I mean, I got fucked up and whatnot, and fucking smoked a lot of weed and fucking drank too many booze and fucking forgot shit and and was an asshole, I'm sure, but I was not a happy person. And it was noticeable to everybody else but me, and I didn't know. And I finally started to kind of figure it out when I started podcasting. And you guys know that journey because Journey into Comics has been around since 2014, and that show was an outlet for me to speak my thoughts when I was coming out of the darkness because that's the tail end of me working at the Horseshoe it's me realizing that I need to do something that's not the horseshoe. It's me realizing I have better things to do with my time and my life and my existence. And to dream big and to shoot for the moon, man. Because if you don't fucking set your bar high, if you don't set the goal that I'm going to be the greatest in whatever category, don't expect to be good because you're not going to drive yourself to be the greatest. you know. I had a lot of anxiety about podcasting by myself. you I've got to do 26 minutes at most because I don't think I can talk for that long by myself without anybody else sharing their opinions or thoughts or whatever. Uh, and now here I am, like, single-handedly just nailing this podcast as best I can. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it, you know? And give me feedback. If It's fucking awful. I need to know, man. Like, why tell stories about yourself? as fucking stupid. Fucking hated it. So we're going to kind of go forward a little bit in time here. While I'm working at the Horseshoe and I'm hating everything and hating life and migraines are getting worse and my health is declining and everything's going downhill, my band Draxus that started in 2003 is starting to kind of dissipate into obscurity and no one caring that we are obscure and whatnot. Uh, And all the while, I'm on again, off again, testing the waters with the family. And at the tail end of Horseshoe, I thought, okay, fuck it. I'll give them a shot. I will try to mend fences. And I did. I went to my little sister's ball game and I was like fucking cool and shaking hands and seeing everybody and talking to my aunt who fucked me over like face to face like it was no big deal and and it wasn't a big deal. I was over everything and it was cool for a brief minute. And then they fucked me over again but in a totally different circumstance. And maybe this is me being a little bit childish that I took offense to this, but Considering parts that I haven't let up on this podcast, this part really hurt. So from the time 2003 happened to my end run at Horseshoe, I was a musician. I was in that band, like I was saying. And we wanted to play one place more than any place else. In our hometown, there's a place called the Lorraine Theater. It's fucking huge, and we thought we'll put on a badass show. We'll do some thing, whatever. Could never happen. It just wasn't ever in the cards for anything like that to happen. Well, they're gonna do a save the Lorraine thing, save the Lorraine Foundation. Let's save this fucking place because the owner sucked and fucking sucked it dry and made it shitty and it wasn't good. And they're trying to restore it and make it great, you know. Again, uh, so they're gonna throw a benefit show, and I went, oh, super easy. Emailed the dude, and I was like, hey. Draxus put us on that card my fucking family is a part of the fucking people that are literally the people that started the foundation for Save the Lorraine are literally my grandparents okay put me on the fucking card bro it's cool I'm sure they'll be cool right all the other bands that we played with like way heavier bands way shittier bands I want to call a band out but I'm not going to because they don't even deserve their name to be spoken they were so awful But uh, they were on that card, you know, and one band wasn't, and that was us, and I took great offense to that, and I just made a very genuine public Facebook post saying one thing, which is I can't believe that my family, who I thought, like, supported me, wouldn't go to bat for me and ensure that I was a part of something that would, I mean, it was special to me, that was a special thing, like... I could help the Lorraine, something that I love and something that all my favorite movies, when I saw Twister when I was a fucking kid, I saw it in the Lorraine when I saw fucking Apollo 13 and the fucking Lorraine when I saw Jurassic Park and Independence Day and all kinds, of Men in Black, all those movies I saw in the fucking Lorraine, man. Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 2. Third Ninja Turtles was my first movie in that fucking theater. And I didn't get a chance to fucking help. And I literally said, look, I wouldn't give them money because they don't deserve it. They can't help me and I'm their fucking blood. Why are they helping this Lorraine when they don't care? This is There's some ulterior motives probably. I don't know. I didn't know. I was upset. I had every fucking right to be upset. Again, family not going to bat for you. Mind boggling. But it doesn't just like, it, it's not like, okay, Nate, so you didn't get the show. Bitch about it a little more, man. Like, wah. Nah, nah, I don't even care about that. And this is where my grievance comes from. I make the post. I get a phone call a little bit later. And it's, uh, this is literally right around the time we're living, in, we just started living in the house that we live in now. Like, it's all, again, it's all wrapping up at Horseshoe and I'm moving into my other job and whatnot. And this goes down and I'll never forget it. My mom called and she was like being real off to me. real Real mean and real harsh. And I just like, again, toxic, fuck that. I don't need toxic in my life. I got to cut that shit out with no exceptions. Because toxic people, man, they fucking bring you down. They don't even realize they're doing it when it happens. That's the sad thing. Sometimes you have to fucking cut toxic people out for them to even get how toxic they are, how bad things are getting. So she's just drilling me on how awful I am and how I'm a bad fucking grandkid for saying some shit and how dare I fucking cross the family and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, fuck it, click. That just made things a little bit worse because instead of everybody just playing it cool, I get another phone call. And it's from my piece of shit aunt who fucked me over many years ago. (gasps) Nate, did you just call her a piece of shit? Well, let me call her Aunt Bacardi then. And let's make it for real, right? So Aunt Bacardi, as we so lovingly call her now, starts talking shit at me, calling me a disappointment to the family, okay? And I had heard enough. Click. Hang up on her dumb ass. In a relationship, you tell your partner when shit goes wrong. You tell your family when stuff goes south. You talk about shit when you're close to someone that you really love, right? So I got to pick Sarah up from her piano lessons. I dropped her off that day and she gets in the car and I'm just like ghost white, no emotion, I can't even fucking think. Hearing the words my aunt said just saying that I'm a disappointment and the le- and just the the weight of her words thinking that that's what she could say to me and it means something, you know? I'm a disappointment, right? I'm the disappointment. Like, bitch, you are a literal fucking drunk. Every day of your life wasting away bottle by bottle by motherfucking bottle, right? And let's talk about the uncle who also fucked me over, and that motherfucker is not blood. Captain Cocaine over there, right? Captain Cocaine over there. Let's say it again. Uncle Cocaine, I ain't calling him that because he ain't my fucking uncle. He's a piece of shit. It, oh, man, Nate, why are you being harsh? You always usually preach love and happiness. Not to these people. And you wonder why I'm so harsh. You wonder why I'm so awful. Well, there's a straw and a line that is crossed. And when someone crosses a specific line, there's literally, for me, I don't give a fuck who you are. There's no coming back. There's no undoing it. There's no fixing it. There's no righting the wrongs. Say what you want to me. Disrespect me all day long. I don't care. Call me a disappointment, please. I beg you. I ask for it. Do not ever, and I mean it, don't ever disrespect Sarah or Veronica for that matter. Because I will fucking go on a different world. And if you're not careful, so will they. So, Sarah, okay, at the time, pre before we knew Veronica, sees me upset, sees what's going on. The phone rings and it's my aunt. Sarah answers and just straight up asks, What the fuck is your problem? Why are you like this? Nate's been trying so hard to get in you all's good graces, and you're being a motherfucking bitch. She didn't call her a bitch at first. Let's be mindful. But my aunt, before anything else is said, just goes, Fuck you. Fuck you, Sarah. Fuck you. All bitchy and hangs up. So Sarah's like, Oh, fuck no. You don't fucking hang up on me. I'll call you back. Sarah calls him back, and yeah, I'm hearing a little bit of dirty laundry, folks. That's how it works. It's real. I want you guys to know me a little bit more, understand the survival in me and the fight that I've gone through, and it's, again, I don't want to compare. That's not about it. So, uh... wow, I didn't even wrap up that loose. Oh, I I didn't wrap up that loose end, but I'll get to it. You guys way back were like, why did you bring up your shows and saying you love them all? Well, Bruised with Dudes, I mean... It's a show about beer, craft beer. They're not underage dudes, but for a long time I had a stigma with alcohol considering it killed my uncle by way of a drunk driver. So there's that. Let's jump back to where we're at. Uh, Aunt Bacardi answers the phone, but this time mm, doesn't give it to her husband, gives it to that crack-ass redhead in my family whose name, again, I ain't even going to speak. It doesn't even need to be spoken. Crazy Red, we're going to call him, right? Crazy Red gets on the phone, and then he tells Sarah to fuck off and fuck you, bitch. And then the bombshell of bombshell saying to Sarah, who if you guys know her, she's literally the most empathetic person you'll ever meet. She takes everything people says to heart very seriously and sometimes more personal than she means to because of how much heart she has, right? My uncle goes, you want my grandpa to die. You want him dead. Because my great-grandpa Kearney, my grandma Kearney from 2001's husband, was passing away. He was in rough shape. And there was an explosion. They were yelling at each other. And I was over it. And I said, okay. We tried to be nice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. Ain't gonna, you ain't going to fool me again, as, as old W said. So I ate it. I took one on the chin that day getting called a disappointment, all this shit, right? Hurtful shit. Trying to fucking hurt me. Just trying to be awful, terrible people. That was 2014, I do believe. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Would have been like the summer of 2014. So, uh, you know, we're there. And we're to the point where time has moved on. You guys know a lot of the story now because you've been listening to the different podcasts. You've heard my journey between here and there. I mean, more recently, I've had some pretty terrible bouts with uh, migraines and stuff, but uh, coming into 2016, I do believe, yeah, 2016, uh, dad sits me down for a chat, and he's scared because he doesn't know what is actually going to happen long-term, no one does, Mm -hmm. Um. But the doctors have told him he has spinal stenosis and spinal degradation. It's possible he will be paralyzed within a year. Could be at, at that point. You know, no idea what actually will happen. But they're like worst case scenario that could happen. And it, it's a heavy fucking blow. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like you just, I feel like you, you get fucking punched in the mouth. And you're just like, you can't even recover, you know? So it's like now the realization sets in that my parents are getting older and, and whatnot. And just as soon as this news comes out that my dad's all fucking sick and things are bad, not even a month later, he calls me crying. We're going to lose the house. What? What the fuck? Wait, whoa. Hero, slow down. How do you just go from everything's cool to fucking going to lose the house? You pay your bills. So now it's just like, how, how can that even happen? Like, how can we lose the house? I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, and he goes, well, the insurance company contacted me. They said the condition of the outside of our home is not acceptable. And then if major changes aren't done, they're going to drop insurance. And if you lose insurance on your house, you're going to lose the house. It's just That's the way the game fucking is played, right? So uh, I'm like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. We can do this. Let's do it. Let's just fucking do it, man. Like you and me, let's tag team this motherfucker. We'll do the house ourselves and we did it took us damn near a year and a half we worked tirelessly long ridiculous hours sweating and crying and fucking hurting and bleeding and fucking almost got my dick ripped off by a fucking sander there's these fucking things paint eaters are what they're called but they're like high intensity really really coarse like sandpaper that's for removing paint and uh This thing dropped out of my hand into my fucking lap and missed my dick but took my shorts and fucking caught them and tightened them as tight as they could, you know. And I, like, freaked out and, like, panicked and whatnot. Everything is fine. So dad and I got the house done, and he's been going through the shit, hurting real bad, ends up at the end of all of whatever like he had done some shit at work one night and fucking ended up with a fucking hernia and had to get surgery for that shit and like still finding out that all this shit going on with his back is just not necessarily getting better and 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 it's like it's terrifying it really is it, it it's a reality check that we're not going to live forever and we're not immortal and that nothing is guaranteed and that's fucked up i mean really it's really a fucking dark thing to consider even saying the words is like oh spooky i don't want to talk about it anymore but um so recently I've been coming down helping dad work on the garage we're gonna get the garage together everything's gonna be great everything's gonna be groovy all right so we're on this long arduous journey about my life and some of the bumps along the way to uh to get to the end where we are currently and kind of some of the going-ons that's been happening now that people may not know behind closed doors I'm dealing with you know like, sure, I run a podcast network. Sure, Walk Among Us is kicking ass and we've got fuck tons of shows. And sure, I have a great support system within the network that does everything. I talked about that on my State of the Network special last week. Uh, and, and I'm going to make a major announcement here at the end of this episode. So it's like, I, I got a lot on my plate, you know, and having a lot on your plate, you can easily get overwhelmed. And, um... Uh, Dad's like, hey, you need you to come down. We're going to be doing some work on this garage. We're going to get it ready because my little sister, Sam, now has a kid. She has her own kid, Sawyer James. He's like almost a year old. Going to have his first party at the house here. So Sawyer's almost a year old. Got to get the garage ready, working our butts off. You know, it's a little bit slower this time. We're taking our time because it's a less taxing job, so we don't want to just kill ourselves in the first week and then have no gas afterwards. It's just not a smart play. So, uh all these things swirling all these things going on and uh i get here last week it was like the double whammy day of what the fuck right so like 2 days prior to last week last wednesday it was to be specific depend well depending on time travel and how you're hearing this it was one of the last wednesdays in may of 2018 there um My sister texts me and she's like, hey, uh, I'm going to dinner at mom's house on Wednesday. It'd Be cool if you would come over and like maybe you guys can mend some fences. Taylor's graduation is coming up. That would be a nice thing. Like I know Taylor and you aren't on the same page right now because she's upset that you haven't been around and whatnot. Which, yeah, Taylor, unfortunately, like one mistake in all this is that Taylor paid for everybody else's sins. 'Cause my little sister needed me around and I wasn't really around. And it's hard, you but you can't undo it. You just gotta fucking move forward and like go, okay, well now I can help you in this phase of your life. I wasn't there when you were a little kid. I wasn't there to influence your opinions and thoughts in that regard. I am here now as a little bit of a guidance now that you're older. I've seen some shit from my in my twenties, you know. I lived a whole bunch of crazy shit that you guys have heard about. So, uh, you know, uh, she's like, Look You should really consider it. And I was like, all right, I will consider it. I don't know if I'm going to, but I'm going to consider it and think on it. And my sister, love her to death. She's very gentle and is like, hey, you know, just take your time. If you don't feel right, I'm not going to pressure you. If it feels cool and you're ready to, like, try to go say hey to mom, maybe patch the fence, we can do it. And I was like, 90% going. Right, I'm like ninety percent gonna go and that day that the the dinner's supposed to happen, I'm I'm coming to Hoopston. I have to I have to drive the drive to come here. And I get here and as soon as I walk in the door, man, the energy is shifted in the house and dad is just looking blue, looking bleak. And uh my uncle, Ron, his brother, has been in the hospital in and out. And uh interesting to note, they had some turbulence thirteen years apart, didn't always see eye to eye. Dad kind of felt abandoned by his brother in a little bit of ways, you know, even though it's it's hard. it's It really is difficult when you're in your 20s starting your life and you have a younger kid sibling at home. Uh, it's easy to fuck it up. I mean, that's just the facts, you know. So, I go... And I'm like, Dad, what's the matter, man? Like, what's going on? And he's like, It's your uncle. He's in the hospital. His pancreas has been bad for a while. Like, he's been having some shit go wrong with that. And they were going to like fix him up, and they poked a hole in his colon and almost killed him. Like, he went, he he, he was going septic. He had shit in his bowels and like, or in his in his belly and his like intestines and stuff. And like, everything was going wrong. And we almost lost him. My aunt had to refuse two DNRs, uh, do not resuscitate, uh, to keep him alive because it would have just been the end. He would have just died, and it would have been their fault, and it would have been awful. Um, but he's fighting. He's fighting real hard. So that day I find out that my uncle's doing bad, and I watch my dad go through all kinds of emotions of sadness to anger to, you know, everything. He's feeling it all, guilt and whatnot, and trying to explain to him, like, look, this is, I'm a big proponent of this. Try not to feel guilty in your life, man. Especially with, like, burdens you can't bear. You don't have to bear everybody's burdens all the time, you know? Like, don't feel guilty about the regret of the time you didn't spend with the person that you loved. Like, the time you got with them was the time you were meant to get with them and just love that you got any time. Because we aren't even guaranteed that much time Is this, like, fake thing that we're not guaranteed, and we don't know what comes after this. I sure as hell don't. So, um... that's been going on. And then that same night I went and, uh, I had dinner and I tried to bury the hatch and, uh, all was good in the world. It seemed, you know, like everything's on the mend. I was, I I will say I was very emotional. I've been having a lot of emotions and anxiety over seeing my mom and, and my stepdad and, and my sister and whatnot. And my sister wasn't there. Taylor was actually at her senior trip. So she didn't, wasn't there. Um, Sunday of that following week was her graduation, and of all the fucking stupid shit the universe throws at me, it threw the worst migraine in my life at me. And here I am. It's Thursday. Sunday, the migraine started. Thursday, I still have effects. I'm still a little bit headachy. I'm still a little bit dizzy while I'm doing this show. I'm, I'm. It's, it's just there. This is a migraine that has not let go of me yet, and I don't know why usually I can get rid of them. Usually I can take preventative measures, drink lots of water, you know. Let's just go out and say it, smoke a little bit of weed if I have to. Yeah, I smoke. Like, what the fuck? This is something that, this stigma of, of cannabis culture is a whole other podcast, really. It really is because, listen to me, I've been suffering my whole life with migraines, Okay. Smoking one hitter of weed, one hitter of cannabis can on most days stop or at least severely calm all the things that come with the migraine, the dizziness, the nausea, the wanting to puke, the extreme sensitivities to every fucking thing. You cannot open your eyes because the light hurts. You cannot fucking hear sound because it's piercing and it kills you. You cannot move because you get so fucking dizzy that you could fucking pass out in all of this. I got this on a motherfucking Sunday, the day that I'm supposed to go see my sister graduate, and I can't. I physically, physically was unable to go. And I'm dealing with the fallouts of that now, folks. I don't know where that road leads. I don't know what's going to come from that. I've just been uh, trying to overcome this migraine and trying to find uh, what I'm, what, what I'm, why, what, what's the next step with all this? You know, where is everything going? You know, I still have goals and dreams, but there's still terrible shit on the road in my life coming. One way or another, it's coming, folks. Everybody's got it. I hate to say it. I hate, I don't want to be downer, and I'm not going to leave you guys on a downer. I want to actually give you guys some positive thoughts here before I close. So you heard this whole story. You've heard the shit that I've been through. And I will say that I've learned a lot. I've had to learn a lot about eating crow and owning up when you fuck up and knowing that sometimes you have to stick up for yourselves in stupid situations. And the worst part is the people that you trust the most may also be the people with knives in your back that you don't even know. You're not even ready for it. The betrayal that, that some people will bring you in your life. It's unfortunate. It's painful. I mean, the network suffered some some painful stuff. We've talked about that. Uh, but we just we carry on. Uh, my thing is if I can still pick my fucking self up off the ground at the end of the day that I'm still alive, then I'm a fighter and I'll keep fighting. I don't care if I got nothing to my name and all I do is, is fucking just fucking have the ability to still breathe. I'm going to keep going, man. Nothing is going to stop me for as long as I can go on any on any spectrum. And I want you guys to be the same, you know. You got some shit going wrong wrong in your life, you know. You need advice, you need reaching out. Here's the thought. We'll just try this. Let's just do it. I don't care if you're on the network, I don't care if you're not on the network. If you got shit you're going through and you want advice, I'll give you my advice. I'll give you what I would do in a situation. My decisions have not always been perfect. I can tell you that right now. I have not made great decisions consistently sometimes hey that decision was fucking awesome that was a great decision but other times hey probably should think about how that went down you probably could have done that different better changed it whatever it happens you know uh but at the end of the day just love man everybody love the people you're with the people you get to spend your time with don't try to harbor negative energy don't try to harbor dark feelings don't hold on to grudges you know because all that shit is I mean very Bruce Banner, you know doesn't matter who you call Tony. Thanos is coming. you know, and that's the truth man Thanos in this scenario is the end for all of us and we you gotta just be the bigger person and try to keep putting it aside and just do your best to represent the best side of yourself. come with a light energy. don't go into a situation expecting to be hateful or don't go into a situation with the energy of like, I'm mad and I've been wrong, damn it! So I'm gonna fucking X Y Z or whatever, because it doesn't—it doesn't help. It really doesn't. Uh, you know, the thing I try to do now before I respond to a situation is put myself in people's shoes. And typically, if I can get into that mindset, I can figure out their motive and and and, and understand where they're coming from. And then respond with less angst or anger or or whatever is coming from whatever they've said or done. It's not always easy. And sometimes you're going to have to take a long look in the mirror. And I mean, I'm sure every day some people, I bet every motherfucker that's listening at least once in their life has looked in the mirror and been like, Who the fuck is this looking at me? Who is this person? Why are you looking at me? What is the fucking point? Like, why are we even here? And I'm here, honestly... Because I want to help everybody else. If I can lend a hand in any way, shape, or form to someone else and help better their lives, God, I, that's all I can ask for. You know, ultimately, if I can offer advice to help somebody better their self, fuck yeah, man, that's great. That's all I need, you know, keep me going. My family, obviously. But, uh, you know, like I said, I've been through some shit. Lots of shit. Good shit, bad shit, indifferent shit. It's uh, it's all the same. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all the same because it all blurs. You're not gonna remember it all. At some point, you're gonna forget why you're pissed off. Some point, you're—I mean—you're gonna forget why you're that angry or what you're even really angry about. And uh, that shit's tiring, man. Carrying that stuff is so exhausting. I felt like this was a good reason to get some of this out because I haven't told everybody everything. I mean. Uh, a very, 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 very finite small amount of two people uh, know in detail everything. And there's still stuff that. <clears throat> there's been some stuff that's happened to me that whew, I'm not. I, I don't think I could talk about on a podcast. Honestly, I don't think I could emotionally navigate myself through those waters without. Hmm. Getting really upset and really feeling it in a way I don't want to feel it, Um, but ultimately, this is the Voice of Survival podcast, and I want you guys to know that you're doing it, man. You're getting through your day, you're getting through your bullshit, you're fighting, you're doing your fucking goddamn best, and man, that's all you. That's all we can do as people. Like, it's just do your very absolute best day in and day out, folks. I want to say thank you guys so much for checking this episode out. We've been going like an hour and 20 minutes. People are checking it out, loving this episode. I'm really appreciative of that uh, for whoever you are. Uh, As I said, though, seriously, you can reach me on all the different social medias, whether it's the Voice of Survival podcast on Facebook or Voice of Survival on Twitter or the Voice of Survival on Instagram or facebook.com backslash the Voice of Survival. That's my personal page. If you need advice, if you need help, if you don't mind me telling your story in some shape or form or your situation in some shape or form on air on my show, send it to me. I will give you my thoughts, my opinions on what you need to do, what's going on. I don't know much, but I know what I know, and I can help where I can, guys. So you know where to check me out on the social media sites. As always, check out The Voice of Survival every other Friday right here on the Journey Into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com. Course, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics Network. You'll get the whole network. And bada bing, bada boom, next Friday. Let's talk about it. We're an hour and 21 minutes in, hour and 23 minutes in, probably by the time the intro gets added to the show. Next Friday, we have another new show debuting this past week on Wednesday. Adulting Ain't Easy dropped. AP and his fiancee Liz. Talking about being an adult and how suck ass that is and how hard it can be, right? But next Friday, next Friday, we got another show in the same vein, kind of actually. It's really cool how that kind of worked because next Friday, folks, we will have debuting on the network, the kids, or hold on, don't know the, no the, omit that, scratch that. Next Friday, you guys will be getting, for the first episode, for the first time, episode one of Kids for Sale, a parenting podcast by Chris Plant and Ashley Plant. Uh, They are two fun-loving folks who uh, Chris has actually been on Voice of Survival podcast. Longtime friend, fan of the show and the network, so we love him, and we're grateful that he's going to be joining the family now. And uh, Again, Kids for Sale, not really. They're not actually for sale. We're not human traffickers here any crazy shit like that this is literally a podcast where parents are just being parents talking about parent things and how crazy that shit can be in the life of being a parent that's all i'm going to say about parenting anyways folks thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the voice of survival podcast this episode 21, I can't believe it. We're fast approaching the finale here. I think we're going to do probably 25 episodes for this season. We're going to kind of see where everything falls after we get these new shows in. And we've got another new show, uh, Radio, debuting here uh, hopefully shortly. And then hopefully the new Twin Peaks podcast will be rolled out very soon. So getting a little eclectic and bringing a whole bunch of new content to you folks. We want to thank you so much for checking us out joining our family. Make sure to go to our Patreon. Give us a buck. Get early access to every show on the podcast network. Give us three bucks. Get early access and exclusive content. Give us five bucks. Maybe we'll send you a sticker. I don't know. Don't quote me on the sticker thing. We're still trying to figure merch shit out, but soon we have merch coming. I promise, guys. It's going to be great anyways for this episode of the Voice of Survival I want you guys I want to thank you guys so much for like listening to my story and some of the stuff I've been through. I feel like it was a good long overdue conversation where you guys could learn some stuff about me you might not have known and you may have questions within the story I told. Please reach out to me ask me those questions. I would love to hear them I will answer them as best as I can. I, I'm I'm mostly an open book man. I just, there's, like I said, there's like one monster in the closet I don't really want to discuss. And uh, someday, someday that very, very terrifying monster will come out and we'll discuss him. And we'll talk about a pretty dark trauma in my life that I went through. Anyways, all right, folks. Well, thank you guys so much for checking out the Voice of Survival podcast. I've been Nate. And uh, just do your guys' very best. Stay strong. Keep your head up. Don't let bullshit in life get you down. And remember, if you want something bad enough, you can get it. But if a woman says no, that means no. Leave it alone. And also, let's not forget this part. This is the best part. Don't be afraid to create a new position for yourself in this world because guess what? You are in control.